Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. If you feel like your family's out of rhythm, things feel a little bit chaotic, there's no structure, you don't have good routines in your home, today's interview is going to be really helpful for you. It's actually one of the most engaging, helpful, powerful, practical conversations I've had in a long time. It's a really good interview. I know you're going to find it useful. We're talking about the habits of the household, practicing the story of God in everyday family rhythms. Really good interview. It's going to be helpful for you and really practical to help you get started in leading your family well if you feel a little bit out of sync. Before we jump into that, though, I do want to remind you, we had an interview a couple of weeks ago with a pastor and author named Ray Ortland. The title of that was called The Death of Porn. There's a book that goes along with that interview. It's a it's Ray's most recent book, and it's so good. I just want to remind you to pick up a copy of that book called The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility. Most guys feel like they deal with this subject or this topic on some level. And most would either admit to that or say, you know, I'm not personally dealing with it, but my friend is. I don't want my kids to deal with it. I know a guy who's dealing with it. I mean, every I always say every guy has been touched by the the topic of pornography in some shape or form. It is being blasted to us constantly. And so if you just feel like you can relate to that or you know someone that can, I highly recommend that you go pick up a copy of this. Most of the time when we have a conversation around the topic of porn, there's tons of shame. And what I love about what Ray Ortland does is he, he approaches the subject with so much grace. And so guys can come to the conversation, set their shame aside, and really just come back to the good news of the gospel, that they can be freed from this. And so if you're interested in this, I highly recommend that you go to crossway.org forward slash plus. You can find out how you can get 30% off the book and a free copy of the ebook directly from Crossway. It's a great deal. Again, go to crossway.org forward slash plus to pick up that copy, get a discount of the death of porn, men of integrity, building a world of nobility. I also want to thank our friends over at Hyatt Health for sponsoring today's episode. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Hyatt Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash Dad Tired or enter the code DADTIRED at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash DADTIRED, HayaHealth.com slash DADTIRED, and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HayaHealth.com forward slash DADTIRED, or enter the promo code DADTIRED at checkout. 
Justin, dude, so excited to have you on, man. I was just saying before we started the recording that this might be like a 16 hour conversation because I'm so excited <laughs> to like, and so curious about this book that you've just written habits of the household, practicing the story of God and everyday family rhythms. I think a lot of dads are going to listen to that right now or hear that title and be like, all right, I've already ordered a copy before we've even got started. Cause <laughs> man, most- I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the thing. Most of the guys who are listening, one of the things that they would say most commonly is the reason I listen to the Dad Tired podcast is because I'm originally drawn to the title, Dad Tired. I am mm-hmm. Dad Tired. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> uh, that's so what a good. lot of guys would so feel. Good. Like, you know, like I'm Dad yeah. Tired. I'm trying my best to lead my family well, but I'm exhausted. A lot of the chaos comes from we have no rhythm, uh, yes. we have no structure, and we're just yes. like surviving the day and find myself. I'm speaking personally, but I think a lot of guys would relate to this. I've heard this in our dad tired community. Like I'm just counting down the hours until the kids go to bed and I have like (laughs) one hour of quiet because it's been pure chaos. If you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah. So you, uh, yeah, it's, that's, what's funny is you're like, I'll have one hour and then you get like 10 minutes uh, quiet and you just pass out. I'm like, I'm too exhausted to do it. (laughs) You wrote a book about habits and structure and having this, like these rhythms that are a game changer for a family. I'm curious, man. One, what made you write a book like this? You're a dad of four and dad mm-hmm. really of four young kids. What made you write a book like this? And to, like, have you always been a really disciplined person? And when you popped out these kids, you're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have an army structure. <laughs> that's that's going to be the easiest answer of this whole podcast. <laughs> no, I have not always been a disciplined person. I don't even know that I am now, but I am in love with habits and structure because I've realized that they have helped me become a more loving person. So Mm. I'm obsessed now. I'll give you the really short overview where it came from. I used to be a missionary in China Mm. for a couple of years before I felt this call to actually come back to the States and be a missionary within law and business. And I ran at that so hard because I did believe it was a calling from the Lord that I worked myself into a full anxiety collapse. And it was a really dark time in my life. Um, And this Dark Times, what led to my first book, The Common Rule, where I really explore what led me out of that crisis. And that was finding that habits were forming me as much as my beliefs and hopes were. And so I I started to really look closely at how habits were changing my life for better and for worse. And so that was the crisis that led me into thinking carefully about habits in the first place. Hmm. But then it was a couple years later, as I'm putting my kids to bed one night, And so at this time we had three boys and bedtime is as chaotic as you might expect with three boys. It's like, you know, bath water's on the floor, board books are being thrown. Yes. They're fighting over the Spider-Man toothbrush every single night. Um, And it was one of these nights and I remember slipping on some bath water on the floor and that switch just flipped. (laughs) I went into like dead angry mode. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not unusual. And Mm. I remember as I was, you know, I'm shouting all these commands that, you know, threatening great bodily harm, but nobody's really (laughs) listening. And when it was finally time to turn the lights out, say, I love you, hopefully say them a short prayer. There was just this heavy sense of irony. Mm. You know, I switched from this angry, raging maniac to somebody who's now saying, I love you. Let me pray for you. And as I closed the the bedroom door that night, I just remember thinking, this is normal. This dissonance is very normal for me. And Mm. that wasn't a good realization. Mm. And so I'm sharing about this um, to one of my pastors just a couple of days later. And he told me about one of what he called a bedtime liturgy that he does with his sons before they go to bed. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like desperate for any sort of structure that help us rein in this chaos yeah. in the house. Yeah. So I end up trying it and I write about it in the book, but actually I think it's worth reciting the, the questions here. So you get the full picture of the story. Yeah. So I end up, I write my own little bedtime liturgy and I try it with the boys about a week later. And it, it goes like this. It's like five or six questions I ask them. And they say yes to each answer until the end when the Sunday school answer is obvious. So, so I look at them and I say, can you see my eyes? And they say, yes. And then I say, can you see that I see your eyes? And they say, yes. And then I say, do you know that I love you? And they say, yes. Then I say, do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? They say, yes. Do you know I love you no matter what good things you do? They say, yes. And then I say, who else loves you like that? And they say, God does. And then I say, rest in that love. And you can imagine the first night trying this, how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't like yeah. it doesn't go well at all because because <laughs> all habits are a mess until they actually become a habit. You know, nothing's mm-hmm. a habit until it is. But I remember I kept at it. I kept trying it just in hopes that, you know, some sort of structure would help our bedtime routine. And I remember a couple weeks later, it's probably more like 10 days later. It wasn't that long. A night that was otherwise exactly the same as this first one. Bath water's on the floor. Board books are still being thrown. Fights are breaking out. But one of my sons right before lights out says, can we have our bedtime blessing now? Mm. And we shared this special moment of talking about God's unconditional love for us, no matter the good things or the bad things we do for parents or kids. Mm. And what struck me about that night was that everything was the same as the first one, still the chaos, still hard to be a parent. But there was this moment that reshaped my expectations. So like the circumstances were changed, but I was different because I was headed towards a different moment through habit. And that is what really stuck with me because Mm -hmm. I think for the first time that night, I saw the power of a parenting habit that good parenting habits can change our knee-jerk reactions to the otherwise chaotic moments. Mm -hmm. And they help us tilt our house in that direction of God's grace. So we're falling that way instead of towards the usual frustration Mm -hmm. and chaos. And I just, I'd end with, I had been writing about this stuff in the common rule about how habits shape our lives and tilt our lives. I just hadn't really applied it to my kids until that evening. And after that, I was hooked. I was like, if our house is going to be tilted some way, why not make it towards the gospel? Mm. I love that because the reality is it is being tilted, like regardless of how intentional somebody thinks they're being or not, like your kids are being shaped, they're being discipled. Talked about that in our book, Dad Tired. Like whether you know it or not, you are discipling your kids, you're shaping them, you're forming them. Yes. That's just a matter of how much intentionality you're putting behind that. And in what direction. So I love the way you said that, like tilting, it's already tilting. So how can I tilt it? I love the the synergy there between what we're working on. That word discipleship is so important to put in this conversation. What I tell people often is that you may not know it, but you are being discipled by your habits. Yeah. Yeah. And your kids are being discipled by the habits of the household. So it's, it's like one thing to get people paying attention to the intentional and verbal teaching and scripture based sort of classic discipleship, which is so good. And we need to think about, but one of my whole goals is to open people's eyes to the idea that you're also, you're being discipled by the way you use screens and you might not know it. Mm-hmm. You're being discipled by the way rush or busyness is forming the rhythms of your household. And you might not know that. And so yeah. searching for those places where we're worshiping something other than Jesus or being discipled by some other cultural value is basically my whole project in this book to try to open our eyes to the way those those routines are more spiritual than we think. That's a powerful line. I was thinking about a lot of people don't know their habits are so ingrained that they don't know that yes. their habits. Yes. Like if you just asked me to list 
Jared, what are all your habits? I probably wouldn't put like 90% of my subconscious habits in there. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. That's the um, power and the danger of habits. Hmm. You usually don't know what they are. Once you start looking with the right eyes, you'll, you'll see them everywhere. But I think the, the power of habits, and, and here's the, for those dads out there who kind of like the neuroscience and sociology behind yeah, this, yeah. it actually is really interesting. So neuroscience in the past couple of decades has shown that habit activity occurs in the deepest part of the brain, hmm. usually called the, the basal ganglia, which means that our top brain, the things that we consciously think can keep on churning on other stuff while habit activity takes place, which is usually great for us because it's how we, you know, we make all the right turns on the way home without ever thinking about a single turn that we made. We're probably thinking about a conversation we had or a work project or something, but and here's the great liability of habits. It also works the other way. Like when a bad habit is happening, this could be, you know, a pattern of addiction in the evening. This could be that dangerous morning routine of starting your day by swiping this machine over and over. It could be the way you talk to your kids every time they spill something or every time they ask why. And here's the thing. We might know that those things are things we want to change. I don't want to use my phone like that. I don't want to snap at my kids like that. I don't want to keep doing this every night. But that part of our brain that knows better is not actually the part that's churning on the habit activity. Hmm. And so, and the spiritual insight here, because that, that's a, a neurological proposition, which is interesting to understand your own mind. But the spiritual proposition, the theology that undergirds this, this neurology, you can imagine it just like this. When your head goes this way, but your habit goes that way, your heart is always going to follow the habit mm. because your heart is in this routine of loving what it loves. And that's why I think people got to think of habits as liturgies. They're mm. things that we do over and over every day without necessarily thinking about them, but they're leading us in patterns of worship. And if you get that in your head, if you start to look at your house and say, wait a minute, what liturgies of worship are happening here yeah. when we go about our morning routine or our evening routine, or when I use my phone or when I work at home, anything, then you're really onto something because you're really onto that question we just talked about a minute ago. All right. What's discipling us here in the household? Yeah. Is it me or is it something else? Right. Is it Jesus? <laughs> right. Some people you know, are maybe new to the faith or new to this whole trying to follow Jesus thing. And so liturgy isn't a common word outside of like right. religious right. circles, right? So maybe when you say liturgy in like a, just a short, how are you defining that? Because not everybody knows what it is. And some people who do think that they don't like it. And some people think that they love it. The way that I'm using it is um, a liturgy is a pattern of worship that we engage in over and over in order to be formed in the image of the one we worship God. So, you know, liturgical or high churches, quote unquote, as people will probably know, they have services that are more liturgical where you say the same things over and over and you sing that certain song in that certain place. And it's probably important for everybody to note that no matter whether you use the word liturgy or not, just like you can't not have habits, your worship service or your, your faith can't not have liturgies. I mean, mm. you're doing patterns over and over. I mean, you might not be naming them. Right. Like this is just the time in the service where we pray and shake hands and do the offering. Like that's a liturgy too. Right. But the point is the definition of habits and liturgies are almost identical in that they're both small things that we do over and over, semi-consciously to unconsciously, and they both form us. They both change who we are. The big difference is liturgy owns up to the fact that it's worship. Now, habits mm -hmm. often obscure what we worship 
Mm. But that, of course, doesn't mean we're not worshiping. The question is just what? Yeah. And that's why I think it's really important to make that connection and say, okay, I have liturgies of worship in my day-to-day routines. What are they? Right. I'm trying to think of real practical examples here. Like one habit that I would have is like, I'm going to wake up, grab my phone and go to Twitter and catch mm-hmm. the, the news of the day. Yes. And that is, whether I know it or not, shaping my worship. It is forming my worldview. It is forming my identity. It is forming where my hope is, right? This is all, these are all acts of worship, right? Where's my hope going to lie? Where's my identity going to lie? All this is worship. And I don't know it's happening. I don't know those things are happening consciously. Usually I'm just picking up my phone and looking at Twitter and checking the news. That would be one. I did read this book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Have you heard of that book? Yes. Tish Harrison Warren's yeah, book. Yes. Yeah. So good. Great, really good book. And one of the things that she, examples she gave there that we've been using is we make our bed every day. And yeah. every time yeah. we make our bed, we're saying we're taking something that's messy and we're making it beautiful. Yes. And yes. it's a reminder that God takes what's messy and he makes it beautiful. Yes. Um, and that's such a cool, like for our kids, one, we're getting chores done. <laughs> They're making their bed. <laughs> Added bonus. But, but on a deeper level, it's like, and this is where we'd go back to, okay, this is liturgy. They are doing a habit that is shaping their worship. As right. I make the bed, and my kids would tell you, how does making the bed remind us of the gospel? Because God takes what is messy and he makes it beautiful. Oh my it's gosh, like I love make, that. Yeah, and it's, it's such that. an easy, I, I wish I could you know, take credit for it, but that was from the, the liturgy of the ordinary yeah. where I got that. Before we get into some of yours that you were like, you know, you had that bedtime liturgy, mm-hmm. you know, that routine and it sparked something in you. Before we get yeah. into that, because I want to hear some more of like, all right, what else yeah. did you dive into? Right. What were some of your liturgical or what were some of your subconscious habits? Like when you self-reflected and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not being intentional, but if I zoom out of my own and I, and I look at myself objectively, here are the patterns of my family right now. Does yeah. that question make sense? Like before? Oh my know, gosh. <laughs> Too much sense. Too much sense. Yeah, because tell us your normal. Is, That's what I'm trying yeah, to do. Yeah. And <laughs> So I tell people now, both of my books started with personal crisis. One more personal than my anxiety crash of lawyering. The other one more family, like, oh my gosh, we're chaotic. Hmm. But in both of those, I mean, the rhythms that I saw were things like you were saying, what I go to every morning, first thing is my email. I'm just going to listen. I won't go into each one. So we can just, I'm just going to list some bad. My phone is usually present with me through the day. And I'm checking it when I should be playing with my kids or at least paying attention to them. Our routine in the morning is more centered around, is everybody getting out of the house on time? No matter the tone, no matter the chaos that causes, no matter the fact that it's a circus of anger and commands. It's just what actually usually, matters. Usually on the way to church. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. What actually matters is just that we're out and on time. Yeah. Not that we love each other on the way there. <laughs> right. Maybe on the more personal note, this is a big one for me. I think I don't know that all dads are like this. I think a lot of them are, and I certainly am. My instinctual reaction to chaos or disobedience is anger and control. Yeah. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I can be louder. And you're not going to win this fight. I am. And, you know, that moments of discipline were really focused around like, I've got to get this moment under control and I'll use anger to do so. Mm. It, It just, that was a, liturgy I saw everywhere. The liturgy of my anger. Mm. It was this, this the story of many moments of our household. 
now I like, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm also a really fun dad and I do think my kids like me, but I started to notice that I would just be a toggle switch. Like one minute we're playing, then the next minute I'm like angry controlling. And that was a big one that I, a lot of the habits I talk about in the habits of the household, I think were specifically coming out of my struggle with how can I be a more gentle and loving presence, despite the fact that I do need to be in control and I do need to be authoritative with these children. I need, need to shape them without abdicating that role. How can I do it with gentleness and love and presence ongoing battle? But that's where a lot of where yeah. these habits were kind of focusing in on for me. You know, I, well, first dude, I appreciate you sharing that honestly, because I think 99% of dads are going to be like, oh bro, I can completely relate to that. And then 1% yeah. are lying. Um, that's, right. not true. that's not true. That's <laughs> so we something. might as well level on this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We're all struggling. Yeah. yeah. But what I've noticed in me is because I, I can relate to everything you just said there. What I noticed in me is it when I'm like loud, angry, you know, quick tempered mm-hmm. or quick, like quick to yell or discipline. Mm-hmm. It's just what I'm really doing is trying to shortcut the disciplining of the heart process. Absolutely. When I'm a spiritual leader who's like in a healthy place and I'm seeing my role as a discipler of my kids, I slow down enough to parent their heart. Mm -hmm. When I'm in my flesh, I just need them to stop doing whatever annoying thing they're doing so I can move on with whatever thing that I think is more important. That's just being totally honest, you know? And so when when I look at the father, like God, the father, I'm always grateful that he does not parent us the way that I often parent my kids, which is quick Amen. discipline instead of heart shaping parenting and heart shaping parenting, dude, is uh, it's way slower and it takes much yeah. more patience yeah. and you have to slow down and you have to stop your email or stop your thing. Yes. You look at them eye to eye. I love you. Yes. You know, can you see my eyes? Can I, you know, yeah. I can see your right. eyes and now let's get after heart stuff. Why did you do that? What made you so angry? You know, and that, when you mm-hmm. when you've got fifty instances in a day, you're like, I'm just, I just stop. You know? <laughs> um, but fortunately, God does not parent us like that, and so it just That's takes right. us slowing down, man, and parenting hearts versus parenting behavior. That was a huge one for me that I actually think is worth pushing in on. And you summarized like all the beautiful principles. Like I'm glad this is being recorded, so I'm going to go back and listen to what you said. <laughs> uh, those are like all the major things, and that. One of the problems was, I, I think I knew that, but discipline never happens on your terms. Like mm. It's never at a convenient moment, and it's yeah. never when you're fully present. And so one of the things that I was trying to yeah. work through was, okay, when I'm not at my best, which is all the time with my kids, what kind of habits can I develop that will interrupt my otherwise horrible instincts to get me to actually disciple their heart instead of discipline the circumstance, right? And try to control the circumstance. And so some of these things were like, I'll just name a few um, that I talk about in the chapter on discipline, really starting to work on a habit of pause before I discipline. And for me, that's a pause to pray. So it might be, I mean, these are short, gruff prayers. So I'm not talking about anything fancy, but one of my habits that I just go to now all the time is if I'm on the way up the stairs because I hear two of them fighting and I need to go break it up, I will say something like, Lord, remind me that I am also a selfish person who does not like others to have my things. Or if I'm, if a kid is acting out because he feels left out, before I speak, I will try to remind myself quietly in my head, Lord, remind me that I also get really annoyed when I feel overlooked. I am more like my child than not. Those help me approach a little bit more like, because otherwise I often make this analogy. 
if a kid's running out into the street, you have all the right instincts. Like every parent, every time, just going to grab them, run. The weird thing about discipline is I think all our wrong instincts come into play in those moments. So I'm looking for sort of keystone habits that will interrupt what I know are inevitably bad instincts. So the habit of pause slows me down. It gets me to think about my relationship with God instead of just how I control them and bring that what you were saying in. Like I, I need to be parented by God in this moment as much as they need to be parented by me in this moment. And the, there, there the chain is more complete, right? <laughs> and then there's a big one that we could talk about in a minute, but just working those moments towards reconciliation instead of just, okay, now the chaos is done. Instead of ending at, all right, fight is broken up or you're now under control, moving through discipline to reconciliation, which is what the story of God is yeah. about, yeah. right? He doesn't just kind of say, you were wrong, I'm right, now I've cleaned up your mess. It's no, we're together in the end. Mm. Um, there's love in the end. And, and, you know, there's practices that can help with that too. Uh, well, hit me, man. Um, you got me on the edge of my seat. Right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just drone on. No. So one of the, one of the things that we do in our house, um, is called a brother's hug. And so as with all of these habits, you have four boys, just to put it in perspective. You have four I boys. got four boys. I got so four boys. Yeah. And, and as with all of these, so it might be a sister's hug. It might be a sibling's hug. It might be yeah. a mommy and daddy hug, whatever it is. Yeah. As with all these habits, it's, it's normally like a seven or eight out of 10 times things. Like none of them happen all the time. That's the virtue of habits. Yeah. You fall back on them. It's not every single time, but usually after they have a fight, you know, there are certain things that we have to do. Like you need to look at each other's eyes and, and apologize specifically with what you did. Mm. You need to say, I forgive you. And I know my kids, just like your kids are saying like, sorry, I forgive you. You know, that's okay. Like it doesn't need to be perfect performance, but I do like to encourage parents and myself that, you know, leading with words does matter. It's important to teach them these small rituals of this is what's supposed to happen. Oftentimes I'm sitting in church confessing and I don't mean it until I say it. Mm. Then I start to feel it and mean it. And so I just want to say like, that's, that's that's okay. You know, you can work with them in those moments, but the way we try to end that is we say, all right, now you just said you're like pursed lips angry apology and I forgive you. Now let's do a brother's hug. And the brother's hug is you have to give each other a hug and hold on until you both start laughing or smiling. <laughs> now with little kids, this is pretty easy yeah. because they, they'll just give each other a hug and at first they're a little mad and then one of them wiggles and they, you know, they start to another wrestling match and now they're having yeah. fun again, yeah. which I want to say is actually just so important because it's so easy to be like, you fought, and now I've separated you. And now you said things you don't mean. Okay, try again. And they're going to go right back to fighting. Mm-hmm. But I think a good parent stewards their emotions back into, oh, yeah, it's more fun to hug and laugh than it is to fight. Mm-hmm. And this does, I mean, I do it with my son when I sinned against him you know, a couple of weeks ago. I remember yelling at him for something that just totally was not necessary. Mm-hmm. And after I said, I was like, can we have a, a hug until we're smiling again? And it was more emotional and slightly less p- playful, but as important. You know, I do this with my wife, like we need to come back together. So I just think those small little liturgies of reconciliation, those small habits of forgiveness really do change those moments. And they help me again, push discipline towards discipleship, because I'm thinking about how do we get to reconciliation here instead of how do we get to a less annoying moment? And that's just a totally different scenario. Man. Well, okay. I have have so many thoughts. That was really, really good. (laughs) 
Yeah. So first thing is I read this study one time, my wife's in the medical field. I don't know any, she tries to talk to me. I'm, I just, she'll, she'll throw out like 15 medical terms. And she's like, do you think that? I'm like, yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing. Right, right. I have no idea what she just said, but I do remember reading the study one time where there is like when there's physical connection, like even just yep. a hug, there are actual yep. chemicals being released in the brain. Yep. That, that do you know more about this than I do? Please like, no, <laughs> no and I didn't footnote any of this stuff. I've definitely read in my yeah. research. I was reading about that stuff. There's some good parenting books that touch on it. Good books on trauma and getting over trauma, big or small. That, that mm. That's like exactly the kind of thing. I'm really interested in taking what we do know about the brain and what's useful, like the neurology of habit yeah. that I described and reminding us almost that Bible has known this. I mean, it's great For to sure. see the mirror image, but that's why reconciliation matters. And that's why it has to be embodied. And so I'm just right on there. Like I'm looking for things that'll say like, how can we reinforce in our minds and our bodies, the spiritual reality that we're happier when we love each other. Yes. And hugging is actually a great way to do that. You just hold on Yeah. or you just maintain eye contact. Like you start to soften. It's so simple. I mean, you hear that you're like, you know, you guys should hug. And it's like, everyone would agree. Like that sounds good. But then you start, you peel that layer, that onion back one more layer. And you're like, oh, actually our bodies are physiologically responding there's actually physical stuff happening. There's uh-huh. chemicals being released. It's not right. just this emotional, that felt good. It's like, there's actual, and then you're like, holy cow, God, it almost is like God designed all this and he knows exactly what he's doing. And there's like, it's almost what? like we were made for this. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, we're made for this. Like God is just so yeah. incredible. I love when like the science and like this, the scriptures and like all of it's coming together. And it's like, well, this is how humans thrive. And it seems like yes. the creator knew exactly what he was doing and all of it down to the atoms and the microscopic Amen. level. You know? Amen. He did. Uh, and I think there's such a beauty to happening upon the coherence of his creation hmm. in ordinary moments, yeah. like saying sorry in the house. Yeah. I just want to pause for every listener like, and tell every listener, if you're listening to this right now, like the stuff that Justin's saying is so good. Like this is beyond every, when we talk about dad stuff and being the spiritual leader, it's always like, yeah, dad should be more engaged. You know, you should probably... <laughs> pray with your kids every now and again and read the Bible and stuff like for sure do all that. But what we're always talking about here at dad's hired is what does it look like for you to be the spiritual leader of your home? Which means as 24 seven, I am partnering with God to see my kids come to know him in in deeper ways. And God is using me to help shape my kids. And he's also using my kids to help shape me, Mm -hmm. but it's all this discipleship process. And so it's deeper than just like, Hey dad, you should wake up and take your kids to church. Yes, it is that, but it's, it's the 15 second moments all throughout the day, which you're describing here. And this is why I've been so like excited about this conversation because it's, it's deeper than just these like good Christian habits that we should have. It's what Jesus did used Mm -hmm. all of life, every experience to disciple his disciples, to teach his disciples, the kingdom. And as a dad, you're like, how can I use every situation, whether it's mm. making the bed or saying sorry, or the way that we cook dinner or the habits that we have in the morning, like yes. everything to be shaped by the gospel and to, and to have my kids shaped by the gospel. I, I, I just said all of that, like, listener, please listen, take notes, <laughs> go buy the book, share this with your friends listen again. Like this is such good gospel kingdom stuff. Mm. Give us some more examples, man. I'm, or if you had a thought there, I don't want to interrupt. I, that, I both. And I'm, I'm yeah. just glad you noted it because I, agree. But I also think it's a much more beautiful and fulfilling life to live as a father, to realize 
it is not a burden of everything that you do matters. It's a blessing that everything you do, even the little things can matter. And if readers take a look at the book, Habits of the Household, sometimes your initial reaction is like, wait, what are all these new things? I can't do that. But I want to like encourage and challenge listeners and say, the hardest thing to do probably is to keep living the chaotic life you're living now. Like the regular slant of American life, we're talking about the tilt, right? The regular slant of American life is to tilt you into absence, frustration, lust, injustice, busyness, consumerism. That burden of an American life is the norm, should you do nothing else. Mm. And just like Jesus says, you know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Thinking over, oh my gosh, these little things, these ordinary things are actually big, extraordinary things. And God can work real, real grace in these little things is actually incredibly freeing. It's a light burden. Like, yes, there are things to do. And I wouldn't say it's not hard because everything important is hard. Let's just get that out of the way. These are not life hacks. They're not going to make your life simple tomorrow. My life, parenting is still really hard for me, but it is filled with meaning in the places that I thought had none. And that's changed a lot. Man, man, that's so good. The law actually can give us rest, you know, and these, these, (laughs) the liturgy can actually give our soul rest. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I can't even rephrase that better than you just said it, man. That's so, that's so, (laughs) that's so good. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the interview. Just want to take a quick pause and remind you that we are a nonprofit ministry and we would love to have you come support us. I read an email this weekend from one of the guys in our dad tired community who actually went through our family leadership program and then jumped on the website and found other guys in his area who he started to meet up with on a regular basis. And then those guys introduced each other's wives to each other and they started to get together. And it just was a reminder to me, like God is moving through this ministry in such powerful ways. And I only have bigger dreams. I really believe that this is just the beginning. If you believe in the ministry, if it's been helpful for you, if you've been impacted by it, would you please consider joining us as a monthly partner? Even five bucks a month is huge help to us. You can go to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash give and become a monthly partner. I'd appreciate you guys considering. I love you guys. Let's jump back in. Tell us some of like, okay, so I like the pause before discipline. That's one really Mm -hmm. easy takeaway every dad listening right now can get. What are some other things that you've started to practice that are helpful? Yeah. Well, one that came to mind just as you were talking, because I do think the idea of spiritual leadership and discipleship in your family necessarily does involve prayer and teaching the word. So I I do a chapter on family devotions. Most of the rest of the book is looking at things that you didn't think were spiritual, your screen time, your moments of discipline, your waking and your bedtime. But I do think it's important to note that there is something incredible happening when a dad regularly says to his family, let me share with you something that I read or that God has for you in the word, or let's pray together. And those two little things, and that's what I really try to emphasize, that this does not have to be a Sunday night ceremony that is well-ordered and well-practiced and where you know exactly what you're going to say maybe what your kids need most is to see you naturally stuttering and thinking about what does God mean here? Or what should we pray about? I think there's a beautiful, you said earlier, you know, God takes messy things and turns them into beautiful things, right? Something like that with the bedtime. I like to remind parents, especially that grace means that God can love messy things. Mm -hmm. And so messy prayers, short prayers, messy family devotions, stumbling ones, those are things that he loves because dads are coming out and saying, 
let's do this, even though it kind of looks like I don't know what I'm doing. That might be exactly what they need from you. So I talk about some little habits of just getting started on family devotion, low barriers to entry, getting started on prayers. And I think, you know, we just can't leave the topic without saying that's important. That's really important. Like if you had a couple, if you're going to say, I'm going to start one or two habits, like make sure that's one of them. Yeah. What are some of those low barrier to entry like practices? If dad's like, okay, you're right. Yeah. I need to like be in the word more. I need to pray with my kids more. How do I start that? One of our lowest barriers to entry practice is we just pick a day of the week, which is Wednesday night for us. And we say after family dinner, we're going to put out another snack because at least my kids always love to eat more. Yeah. So like maybe it's ice cream or maybe it's chips or something. And we're going to stay at the messy table and just talk for five or 10 minutes about a Bible verse that I read. Mm. And I say that just because you're, you're already together. You can get kids to stick around with food and I don't care if you have some magic devotional that's amazing, or if you have a scripture that's actually been on your mind, or if you're just going to open it up to Genesis 1 and say, so God created the world. I just want parents to know that those simple truths, those simple, you know, it could be that God is good. God loves you. You were made on purpose. And, you know, there are verses that correspond to this stuff. You can go, you know, do good, hate evil. You can go to Romans or just, or Genesis or or the gospel of John and find these little nuggets and just talk about them. Yeah. And I I would say that small act of sticking around at a table and talking about a scripture is worth its weight in gold to your kids. I mean, these things matter. And especially the whole thesis behind this kind of talk is habits aggregate, right? Mm. They become small rituals, become memories, tradition, and family culture. And the act of doing that and fumbling around with that once a week it moves you from a family who does not read the Bible to a family who does. Mm. And there are a few more significant things you can do for your kids, but it's just a small little habit. It's not mm. the other small one I would mention is just looking for times to actually pray for your kids. My, instead of just talking about and wishing you pray for your kids, which was a lot of my years as a parent until mm. recently, my little bedtime liturgy routines have just become the moment in the day where I'm definitely going to say a short prayer for my kids. Mm. And so it's, you know, sometimes car rides, sometimes at the dinner table, sometimes there are other places too, but just finding those daily moments where you actually do say a prayer with or for your kids. Yeah. They're life-changing, especially on a daily small basis. Yeah. A lot of guys, I imagine there are going to be some guys who listen and are like, man, I want this so bad, but I have a reputation of sucking at building new habits. And they're Ooh, just like, uh, yeah. you know, I just like, I'm going to try and then I'm going to get discouraged because two days in, I forgot to do it or I didn't do it. And I'm back to angry dad that's yelling at my kids, you know? So what would you say to the guy who's feeling excited, but also terrified that he can't actually implement any of this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I would comfort him and say on my own, neither can I period. I, and you might as well know that on, on, on your own, neither can no one. So one of the fascinating, again, connections between the neuroscience and sociological research of habit and the biblical wisdom of spiritual formation is that nobody makes major changes alone. This is why, you know, AA or real, um, you know, experts on porn addiction will know that you've got to get in a group. Yeah. You got to have a group of people that believes change is possible, that looks to a higher power for that change. This is sociological research, not Mm -hmm. Christian research. They actually say you you need to find a higher power. We don't know what that means, but. This is documented in AA research, but so you don't change alone. You need other people to change. So what I tell people with this all the time is at a minimum, this is sort of reading through this book or thinking through this stuff with your spouse, 
But way better than that is to grab a small group or a couple friends and say, does anyone want to try a new habit or two with me? This is how my life changed. And when I know we're not getting into the story deep, but when I was in the depths of my anxiety crash and it got really nasty, like suicidal mm. thoughts and wow. abusing chemicals to try to fall asleep. And when I got to my depths, mm. I you know, came to some friends. And I said, I need help to change my patterns because my patterns are dangerous. And apparently it's not working to change them alone. And I just want you to know, everybody's got to do that. But again, not a burden. That's beautiful. The minute you come to somebody in vulnerability, another dad and say, I kind of want to work on a thing or two. Would you like to, you know, and if you don't want to buy the book and read it, if you're not a reader, that's cool. Go to habitsofthehousehold.com. You can see a skim over of the habits and mm. you could listen to a podcast like this and be like, anybody want to try one of these with me? Mm. That's the way I tell everybody to start. Find somebody else and try one little habit. The beauty of communal habits is that when you're doing them with other people and talking about them, they have a high rate of stickiness. Mm. And, and when a habit sinks in, this is the real like gift of God, I think, in habit. It's off our brains because it fell to the basal ganglia. And so now you're not thinking about, oh, I got to pray and read the Bible with my kids and do a brother's hug and do you know new morning routine with my phone. You're not thinking about any of it anymore. So you can easily try a next one. And that's how you can become really, really strong, really, really strong inside, really, really resilient inside because these habits are starting to aggregate and living like this feels normal to you. Yeah. And that's like a beautiful thing, I think, for a father to start to gain that strength of life amongst your kids on the inside. And, and habit is God's gift to that kind. And you know, in the Bible, it's called sanctification. This is what happens as we yeah. practice the way of Jesus. We actually do change. Yeah. That's good news, man. That's a gift. It really is a gift. Layla and I always say like, man, if we would just take or when we take even just 15 minutes of a little bit of intentionality behind something, it makes, it has such a compound effect, like yeah. such a big, if we take 15 minutes and plan out the meals for our family for the week, our week is less stressful. If we take 15 minutes That's and plan right. out the homeschool right. thing, you know, it's just like, yeah. If you start to build into these habits, it really, it might feel like just another thing, but mm -hmm. what you're saying is, man, so true. Like it, it, yeah. it starts to become part of life and it, it actually is a gift. It's a gift of yep. more. And as it turns soul. out, the small things are the big things, yeah. Um, yeah. which is an invitation. Like yeah. you can do really big things. Archimedes, I think it was said, uh, give me a place to stand and I can move the world. He was talking about the power of a lever, right? Mm. Like technically a lever would work like that. I see habits as levers of grace, like little things that we can put in our day that the, our effort is inordinate to the change that God brings through it. Yeah. And if that's not that one definite definition of grace, I don't know what is that, you know, we come with barely anything or even yeah. nothing. And God's like, I'll move your world, Yeah. which is actually just maybe important to get this in towards the end here, just to be clear, if you haven't heard it already in, in this conversation, habits are not going to change God's love for you. Yeah. Right. Period. This is not the message. Habits do not change God's love for you. This whole idea is God's love for you can and should change your habits. Mm. And so if really he does love us the way he says he does, no matter what good or bad things we do, if really he does love our kids like that, then it's worth changing our habits to reflect the beauty and the power of that kind of grace. Man, that's such good news. I hope every listener, like you put that, so I know a lot of people listen to me on like two times speed just to get through it but I hope everyone puts that on like half speed <laughs> so that they hear that slowly. Let that truth slowly sink in. That's man. good. Yeah. 
if you're listening to this right now as a dad and you're like, man, I want to have somebody that I can come alongside of or that will come alongside of me and help me practice some of these things. One, we have a community of guys who are really serious about this stuff. You can go to connect.dadtire.com, jump into our community, find other guys. It's other guys who are literally listening to this episode. So if you jump on and you just say, hey, I just listened to this episode, Justin, I want to practice some of these habits in my household. Anyone want to join me? You will find other guys. So that's a really easy way. If you want to go deeper, if you're like, nah, I I want to go like, I, I want the I wanted the Navy SEALs side of this. Um, <laughs> we do have a family leadership program and these guys are, are serious about like, they've got daily stuff that they're working on. They got weekly stuff, mm. monthly stuff. They're like, they're all in. So you can go to our family leadership program, dadtired.com forward slash lead. But before you do any of that, go to your closest bookstore or book retailer, wherever you get books and get habits of the household, pick up a copy, read it and leave a review. Cause man, this is such good stuff, man. Thank you, dude, for taking the time to to share with us. Thank you, Jared. This has been so good. So good. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Hey guys, hope that interview was helpful for you. I just want to give you another reminder. We are a nonprofit ministry. We're trying our best to equip men all around the world to fall in love with Jesus and to help their families do the same with really practical tools. If it's helpful for you at all, please consider joining us as a monthly partner. You can do that by going to dadtire.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash give. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.